The first time I came across your Instagram, I thought, here we go, we've got a very arrogant, superficial, laddish kind of guy. <laughs> and honestly, my opinion's massively changed. When I was eight years old, I lost my dad. He took his own life. And at the time, when you're eight, you don't understand what depression is. You don't understand what bad mental health is. Masculinity is under attack, and it has been for decades. And I went to this event. This uh, mafia guy just kind of leaves. And whilst that happens, a girl just comes up to me and sits, sits on my knee. Then my friend comes back and he's like, Ryan, what the fuck have you done? I was like, oh dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you made a million dollars in like a year mm -hmm. and then somehow you managed to blow it all the next year. It was a great year. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a really good episode. Hello, Ryan. Shwebe. Lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor, my friend. <laughs> uh, interestingly, we met about a year ago, didn't we? We did. And um, I'm not going to lie. The first time I came across your Instagram, I thought, here we go. Here we go. We've got a very arrogant, superficial, topless, laddish kind of guy. <laughs> and honestly, my opinion's massively changed. Mm -hmm. But is that a common perception that you get? How long did it take for it to change? Then I can answer. <sighs> Not, not that long, to be honest. No. I jumped on a call with you. We, we've worked together for yeah, a year for context have. for any listeners. Um, about two weeks, honestly. Two weeks. two weeks. My opinion of you completely transformed. That was my turnaround time. So yeah, yeah to be honest, I'm used, I'm used to that. Yeah. Usually people have some predisposition mm -hmm. about me based on, I guess, appearance or how I yeah. show up. Maybe online, maybe in person. I'm not too sure. But then as soon as we start interacting and speaking mm. and I actually am not that, I don't think superficial, egotistical, twatty, laddie kind of guy, but yeah. I have been obviously in the past, like when 18, 19, 20 years yeah, old, sure. just following society's general, general rules for laddish behavior. Uh -huh. Yeah. I think it's going to be a really good episode. I think yeah. we've got, you've got some cracking <laughs> stories and um, over the last year, obviously I've got to know you a bit better. And every time I speak to you, I've learned something new and I'm like, mm. fuck me. Like, Jesus, this man has been, how old are you now? You're 20? 31. Oh, 31. 31. You, you look but good. You, said 20 you, you look something. good. You look Thank good. You. <laughs> um, but one thing that I always remember whenever we have a conversation is it's almost like your entire career journey started in one moment that I always remember. Can you guess what it might be? Meeting a guy on a bus? Earlier than that. Earlier than, earlier that. than that. It was, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it okay. was graduation graduation okay. yeah that honestly that story just sticks in my mind mm. um talk to me about that talk to me about that yeah so i think the interesting thing about it is i just promised my mom i would graduate so i went to university in south wales for for context to study outdoor education mm -hmm. i was an outdoor instructor for two years so coaching canoeing kayaking that sort of stuff then i had an opportunity to go to university i didn't have the grades to go through sixth form yeah. and stuff but i had an opportunity so i went and during my time there I, yeah, told my mom, right, I'm going to graduate. I promise I'll show up because she you know, wanted to feel proud and ha have this special day. So I hitchhiked through Europe the month before that with, with one of my best friends. We realized we didn't have any money, really. Mm -hmm. uh, we had like, I was traveling on, on a credit card. So I was like, all right, we've got this much. Let's go. Yeah. And we just used, have you heard of couch surfing? Yeah. Couch surfing. Yeah. It was like before the time of Airbnb. We had a yeah. tent. Uh, and we just had the most amazing experience with so many synchronicities and like people saying, oh, I know someone in Milan, you can stay there. Mm -hmm. Got a friend in Rotterdam, stay there. And people like really 
you, you just see the true side of people mm-hmm. when you're hitchhiking and you've actually got nothing. And how old were you at this point? 23. 20, no, yeah, 23, 23. Okay. So yeah, um, went to Hideout Festival in Croatia at the end. So we hitchhiked around and got a bus from Croatia to the north, from the south to the north and partied for six days. As you know, <laughs> yeah, as it like to finish the trip, like finish the trip on a high, literally. And um, f- I flew back to the UK mm-hmm. and it was 12 hours before my graduation. Right. So I was still in this like disjointed version of reality. So I flew back, jumped in my car, drove down four hours South Wales. And it was like, right, I'm, I've got to graduate right now. I had barely slept. And I remember s- standing there thinking, what the fuck is everyone doing? Like, we queued up. We, I think you pay £80 to rent a cap and gown for the day. Don't, don't get me started on that. You, 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 <laughs> you queue up like a fucking pig, right? All the way through this like thing, ready to get slaughtered. And you stand there with like a a, they, they, a pipe. A little tube. A, yeah. a tube. Not yeah. even your, your degree, not even a paper, piece of paper, <laughs> but a tube. And they say, hold the top and bottom so you can't tell it's a tube with a ribbon on it. Yeah. I stood there like, I remember my deg- my pictures like the fakest smile ever. Yeah. So I was like, I, I was having this moment of like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then afterwards, my my uh, class were doing the whole, let's get, oh, it was before the time of Boomerang, but if Boomerang did exist, yes. they would have got a Boomerang. 100%, 100%. Yeah. Throwing the caps in the air, like parents crying. And I went to university and it was a university um, mostly for to create primary school teachers. Yep. And I seen like all these parents crying and I was stood there. I remember stood there with my stepdad drinking a strawberry and lime copperberg. And he's like, isn't that your class, Ryan? I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, aren't you going to join in? I was like, I don't know what anyone's celebrating, dad. Like, I've seen all these people do part-time work for three years, get completely fucked up, most people. They're just deferring making life decisions for three years. Mm-hmm. And now you can feel it in graduation. People are scrapping around for like, oh, fuck, where, what, what, who can my partner be? Like, how can I like, you know, the next phase of rent, getting a fucking yeah. lease car, mortgage, house. Like, let, let's create this, this. It's like panicking. People yeah, are yeah. panicking. And I just was, that decision was like, I'm out. I don't know what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, but this life isn't for me. I also got a 2-2. So even if I tried yeah. my best, to get a job somewhere, I'm going to be in the bottom of the pile. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, so that was the, the moment I was like, I need to do something new. I agree with so much of what you said. Like mm-hmm. I graduated last year now and I hated my graduation. Yeah. I just thought it was just a load of shit, to be honest. <laughs> I was wearing a suit and um, I hate wearing suits, um, mm-hmm. but I, I was there and I had the gown, I had the cap. Yeah. Um, and I remember waiting to just get on the stage for five seconds of your day. Yeah. And we've probably spent about 500 on graduation by this point in the suit, the gown, everything else, photos, which yeah. were like 120 pounds for like three photos. Um, and I remember walking off the stage and within like five minutes, me and my best mate, we went to JD in town, Yeah, got some tracky bottoms and a hoodie, switched out of the suit and just went out for the day and just like pissed off. Yeah. Because to me, it's it's just bizarre the whole system, the way it's set up and structured. As mm-hmm. if this, when you graduate, it's um, you know, you've got everything. Yeah. The opportunities are endless, and I feel like the education system doesn't really set you up no. for success in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. You're almost taught to believe oh, once you've got your degree, you're set for life. Yeah, and that's not the case at all. No, but, but that's interesting because 
you I didn't really have much to celebrate with uh -huh. the two two. So like you actually had something to technically celebrate because you're also intelligent in terms of academics as Academic, well. Academic, book you know? smart. Yeah, it's really interesting because we did differently at school, but we had we shared the exact same opinion. Yeah. And I you know, I was like a very academic student, straight A stars, A's, first class degree from a top, mm -hmm. you know, Russell Group University. But I just totally agree with all your kind of philosophies around the education system. Yeah. I mean, if you could go back and change something, what firstly, would you have gone to uni? Mm -hmm. And secondly, do you think the system is suitable in today's day and age for young people? Yeah, good question. And I think, would I have gone? I had a great three years and made some yeah. incredible friends, but that's really all I took from it. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity to do an Erasmus. So I lived in Norway for yeah. four or five months whilst I was there as well. And this is how mad society is. I, at the time, so I went to uni when I was 20. I didn't think in, in my mind, I can just get a flight and go to Norway and live there. Mm -hmm. I was like, the only way I can live in another country is for me to go to university <laughs> and then and then apply for this Erasmus to, to go. Yeah. So because of those experiences, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. But I, I often think doing a degree 60, 70 years ago, mm -hmm. right, say, you actually had to be academically intelligent. Like, and I believe the world was changing at such a rapid pace that it was, it was necessary to have specific degrees mm -hmm. to actually push society forward to where it is today. Yeah. And... Like as I told you, I'm not acad I'm not academically um, gifted whatsoever, but I can press Control F, which is what Control Find. Yeah. Right. And then I can <laughs> type in a word, a phrase that I'm looking for to to for me to give my points across mm -hmm. in a, in university, and back like I can create a an amazing you know eight page document for uni and get whatever grade right 50, 60, 70 percent, and back in the day. To do that, you'd have to read books, go to libraries, and you'd have to actually take in so much knowledge mm. over time to then have that process within you internally to then like manifest it and articulate it out once it's gone through the filter of your brain and come come out. And I think that is intelligence and that was needed back then. But now to go to uni, you don't need to be smart at all. It's actually like marketed. Like I remember yeah. being, I remember being in London a few weeks ago, and it's like this cool like marketing campaign to go to uni. Like, hey, they, it was a Welsh one. I'm not going to name it, but it was like, hey, this is the top four unis for this thing. Come and join us, right? Because they know they're going to just make so much money from people showing up. They don't actually care about people's resu results anymore. Mm -hmm. People don't look really well. You went to a good university, but the majority of students that go to university, they don't look what. Um, what results does this university get for people? And then what's the outcome of that in, in the future? They're just like, oh, this is a great fun three years thing I can do. So to summarize, I don't think university should be for most people. I think people are deferring making life decisions for another three years. Or I recently learned a new word, which is a panic masters. Yeah, I know it well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, tell me about a panic master. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because... If I didn't leave university, you know, graduate when I did, and then go into a startup and then eventually set up my own business, I would have done a panic master's. Yeah. The panic master's, for anyone who doesn't know, is essentially 
if you are unsure of your career choice later in life, um, or you just don't know what you want to do at 21, 22, because let's face it, how many people actually know what they want to do long term in their career? I still don't to this day. Yeah. Um, and I've got my own business and I, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's just winging it. Where every, everyone's winging it. Winging it. So the term panic masters, essentially, what it refers to is when somebody has no idea what they want to do, but as an alternative, they're going to spend another nine to 12K and get themselves in debt mm. to then spend a year at university to get a grade or a qualification. And most of the time, by the end of that year, they still don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and people end up in like, and this is no judgment, mm-hmm. but people go and do law degrees and then they end up stacking selves in Tesco. Yeah. Right? Whereas you can also just go and apply for that job and, and get get it in the first place because there is no there isn't enough demand for the people that are being pumped out of university as well mm-hmm. i'm also on that point we do there's a thing in wales called you um is it UCAS points UCAS, yeah, yeah. We, there's a thing called welsh baccalaureate yes do you have an english baccalaureate yeah, yeah. as well mm-hmm. yeah and i remember it come out for the year that i was finishing school i think mm-hmm. oh no the year after because otherwise i would have had the the numbers to get into uni yeah where you get, correct me if I'm wrong, you get enough points through passing this course that is the equivalent of an A in your um, A-levels mm-hmm. to go towards going going to university. And the course is the simplest <laughs> course ever. What, right? what kind of question? So it's like, like um, what? So in Wales, it's like, what is the national food of Wales, right? It's obviously lamb and leeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love sheep in Wales. And there's, as then it's like, at what year did this happen in Wales? Right, okay, got you. And you can just yeah. like, it's like easy, easy things that anyone can regurgitate. Yeah. And if that's the equivalent of an A in a subject, then, and that's really easy to get, it's giving people a fun, false sense of security that they're actually academically smart. So you get people like, right, I could, uh, I could go and do a degree now. I've got an, mm-hmm. the equivalent of an A in this. Yeah. And then in what other balmy world can an 18 year old go and sign to go to university to go into how much debt there's like 60 70 80 90 100 grand's worth of debt right without any idea what they want to do why do we why is that allowed but not starting a business and being able to get a loan from from a bank to start a business yeah. it isn't isn't allowed you know yeah, it's so bizarre how there's not even a second thought given to the debt that you apply for yeah apply for this debt to go to university but entrepreneurship or any other kind of career path apprenticeships you know just degree apprenticeships now as well it's just not considered it's it's not something that you're taught at at school this podcast is proudly sponsored by fabric a marketing training academy that runs a world leading master strategy program for marketers looking to excel in their careers the program teaches you frameworks that have been used by global brands and coaches you how to build a live marketing Marketing strategy in just 12 weeks. Now, I personally know many people who have completed Fabric's program and who have benefited directly from getting promotions and accessing dream job roles to accessing increased marketing budgets and gaining the confidence to excel in their careers. Fabric is kindly offering listeners of this podcast 10% off their program so you can secure your place on it. For more information, check out the link in the bio. Use code REBELS10 in all capitals to claim the offer. No. Now, your story is really interesting because after that graduation moment where you thought, what the fuck is going on here? You packed a bag. Yeah. And explain what happened next. Yeah, so, packed my bag, sold my car, 
Yeah. Sold my other belongings, which was like old cracked mobile phones. <laughs> um, and yeah, so just before that, we went for went for like a meal. So all the students, my friends, and yeah. and um, the family members, and it was just like pressure on everyone. Like everyone's like, yeah. "What are you doing next?" <laughs> so then it got to me like, "What are you doing next, Ryan?" And some of my friends, I overheard them say, "We're going to become teachers in Southeast Asia." So I was like, "I'm going to do that." So I'm like half asleep because I remember I'll come back from Croatia driving, blah blah blah. And I was like, "I'm going to be a teacher in Southeast Asia as well." And my mum was like. When did you decide that? I was like, literally just now. So after that decision, a few weeks later, mm -hmm. the car was gone. There was supposed to be four of us that went, but actually two didn't get on the course. One dropped out and it wasn't even my idea, but I ended up <laughs> moving to Bangkok on my own to do an English teaching course, which was ironically enough, harder than my degree. Yeah. Um, to, yeah, then become an English teacher in Southeast Asia. And yeah, it you know, my degree actually did come in useful for something. Mm -hmm. It got me on the course that required me to have a degree to get on. Yes. But here's the thing. I'm not going to mention his name, but one of my friends worked at an incredible private school right. in Southeast Asia okay. as an English teacher. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a degree. However, he went to Kosam Road, which is like this mad party street in Bangkok. And he bought and like a really nice copy of a degree. Okay. Stamped. <laughs> right. Right. Saying he got a two one in uh -huh. a subject, mm -hmm. and he just travelled around, got into legit schools, got kids incredible results because the guy he is, and he also got onto the course I was on through this fraudulent degree, uh -huh. right? And um, yeah, on the back end of that, got amazing results for the kids in the schools. Mm -hmm. Then the school found out this degree wasn't real. They called the the university and were like, "Does this guy have this degree?" And they were like. There's no record of this guy. Right. Being here. But then they fired him because of procedure. Uh -huh. But really, with him by him not having this degree, he was getting the kids way better results in, in the schools and the, the, the uh, students loved him, mm -hmm. the parents loved him because he was actually teaching them real life skills on top of the uh, curriculum as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And you talk a lot about real life skills and mm. how the skills were taught are valuable in the workplace and not necessarily going to help you get further in your career yeah now within within the space of what 10 years probably you've like fast-tracked your career mm -hmm. doing things very unconventionally yeah um so so when you you know went out to southeast asia and did that teaching course how from that did you then you know end up building a million pound business like that's that's a yeah. big jump <laughs> yeah and to, to be honest I w i've never I wasn't until I realized the importance these days of actually building wealth. Yeah. I was never really money driven. Okay. So when I was 18, uh, to take it back then, I, I used to work in home base, yeah. selling kitchens and bathrooms. Uh -huh. I was like a scrawny 16 year old. Were you good at it? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> because I was just told, keep on asking people if they're okay, what they want. Yeah. And I would set up, um, so I generate leads mm -hmm. by watching people. And so I had my big orange shirt on. Mm -hmm. That was way too big for me. Yeah. Had a clip on green tie. I looked atrocious, right? And I just got used to speaking with people, enjoying it, and uh, then started getting commission. And it paid for my first car, my first car insurance, and okay. all, all this stuff. I was, and I remember at the time wearing Fred Perry clothes. I was like, yeah, I'm balling now, mm -hmm. you know? And I had to make a decision where I'm going to go on that career path as a team leader and a manager and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. 
Or this, my mum's friend came to my house and he was an outdoor instructor back in the day. And he's like, Ryan, you're going to get paid 10% of what you're making at the minute a month. But the life experience you're going to have is phenomenal. Okay. And I was like, okay. So I, w- I then went for a job interview. Mm-hmm. The job interview was gorge walking. So that's climbing up a river. So that's, that's how a they- fun job interview. Oh, mate, <laughs> the most fun job interview ever. And they just kind of assess how you are with the group, how you are with people. Right, okay. And then, yeah, I got the job. So I lived on site. I earned 200 pound a month. And I lived like on site for about two years. And it wasn't about the money for me. It was about the life experience. I got to go get my canoeing qualifications, kayaking qualifications, walking qualifications. And on reflection now, when people have got, you go into these structured jobs where there's SOPs in place and like standard operating procedures. This is how we do shit here. This is what we say. This is what we do. Me going to work was, right then, I've got a group of 12 people. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're like naughty students on the day out. What's the wind doing? What boats am I going to take them in? What are we going to have for lunch? Do we need to take stuff to have a fire? What's the outcome of this session for them? What do I want them to be able to take home with them from today? So from 18, I didn't realize, but I was conditioned to actually be very flexible and moving Mm -hmm. um, in, in the workplace instead of having so much structure. So then... From there, I guess having that implanted in me, went to university, then went to Southeast Asia and became this English teacher. But first of all, I biked through. So I bought a bike in the south of Vietnam, traveled all the way through. Mm -hmm. Incredible. If you ever go over there, get yourself a bike, get it for like $200, $300. You can just drive up the, the, the coast of the country. And yeah, when I was, when I was there, started teaching. I remember being in the staff room, like, for fuck's sake, I've left the UK, I escaped, Mm -hmm. and I'm stuck in the same position, just in a fucking warm country. Yeah. You know, I'm in a shirt, a tie, I'm to show up and someone tells me to show up, teach what someone tells me to teach. Mm -hmm. And I actually was about to lose my job because I would follow the curriculum I was like, these ki- these kids, it's like, priv- it's like privately educa- ed- yeah. educated. I was like, they need more than just be- to be book smart. They need like life skills. Mm-hmm. You know, So we'd sit around in a circle. I'd say like, just call me Ryan. I'd take my tie off, undo my top button. Like guys, I'm a re- just a real person like uh-huh. you. Like I'm actually not really a teacher. I just have the ability to speak English as a first language. You told the kids that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some of them are like 17, that. 18 and they want, because they think they have to reach this academic level to be able to live the life that, they're then told they also mm. want to live. Yeah. Yeah. So then I just have like all cards on the table. Let's have a conversation. Like if you want to go to the US or the UK, like that has their dream is, right? It's not going to be how well can you put your head down and regurgitate information. It's going to be how well can you communicate with someone in the coffee shop? How can you ask a good question to someone to build a relationship? Then from there, that's how you integrate yourself in, into mm. a culture. It's not putting your head down going to another country getting a degree and going back to your own country like what's what, what's the fucking point yeah yeah i love that and also with i mean you've mentioned a couple of things you've done there but there's when i looked at like your i guess your unofficial cv yeah uh, there was some like wild cards on there as well yeah you, you, you were a model at one point yeah um you were selling tickets to nine upper yeah like yeah. W- w- the model when i'm really interested in actually because I think I recall you saying that you never ever planned to be a model. You didn't apply no. to be a model. No. But there's a really interesting story of how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. So my my mum 
well, not when she was my age, when she was like 20, from like 20 to 23, uh-huh. just before I was born, she was a model. Okay. So, then so it runs in the family. Good genes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> good, good, good genes. Lucky, lucky. Um, and I was like, oh, that, that's cool. And then, you know, I'd get a couple of comments from my mom's friends saying, oh, Ryan, why didn't you try growing up? Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Because I was always scared of what's someone going to think about me. Yes. Right. Uh, is this me being like egotistical? Is this mm-hmm. me thinking I'm and this way? Right. Yeah. And when I was in Vietnam, my I was living in a hostel at the time. So I went there to be a teacher, mm-hmm. started teaching. Um, and yeah, one night we went, we went out to celebrate getting a job. So went out and then there was this like Ferrari and in the street at the, outside this new barn, there's like the, all these like hot women on there. And I'm obviously like, like 23 <laughs> hot women over there. So I jumped, they were getting like, they were having like photographs, yeah. paparazzi kind of shit. And I just jumped into the picture and like put my arm around one of the women and she's just like, like pushes me away, like get away from me, you tourist. And as she does that, I'm like turning around like laughing. Anyway, I'm walking down the street with, with my Irish friend, Irish because they're always quick and witty right <laughs> and um this guy chased me the photographer and he's like oh who's your agent and i'm like half drunk like, and my friend's like i'm his agent and i'm like oh, that was a great accent thanks i'm his agent love it and he's like um you can talk to me because he knew i was i was drunk anyway this conversation goes on he gets his card blah 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 and then the next day I go and meet this guy who's this photographer. Yeah. So he's like, you need to bring your work to, to Vietnam and to Southeast oh. Asia. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I went to this guy's coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, he was in, people were walking in. And I was like, they, I couldn't speak a word of Vietnamese. Yeah. And people couldn't speak a word of English. And he just sit me down with people. And I was like, who's this? And he's like, oh, this is Miss Vietnam. He's like, see if you see if you like engage with one another. And bear in mind, I've oh. been I'm 23 years old. I've not I've been in Vietnam for a few weeks. I traveled, come back mm-hmm. to live. I was like, what the hell's going on with my life? And he was saying, just just tell them you're a model. I was like, well, I'm an English teacher, so it's kind of like, what do I what do I identify as right 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 now? And he was then inviting me to go to like some events, right. And some of these events I didn't realize were quite dodgy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I remember, actually, I went I went to one uh, evening. He's like, hey, come along. And I sat there and I was with the Prince of Cambodia, the head, of, you do. The head of VP Bank, right. uh, which is what a huge Vietnamese bank, um, the head of the military of Cambodia as, as well. Where was this? Where it was in Saigon. Was I was in Saigon. Like a, cl- a club? No, or no, a- this was like in, on, a, on a, sh- like a street restaurant almost. Okay. And they were saying like, they like to come and eat in places like this just mm-hmm. because it's like, no one's gonna know it, and, yeah. you know? And I'm sat there and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, how have, how has this happened? Cause I've always just been like open and like free and willing to kind of explore. And yeah, the next event he took me to, whilst he, in, whilst he introduced me to someone uh, to um, do a portfolio for me. So I'd never had professional f- photos taken. So I went, had them done. Mm. And this guy, like all these synchronicities were falling into place. He's like, oh, L, um, have, have canceled the shoot today. So my penthouse is free. Let's take some photos of you. I need to f- uh, photograph a Western guy. It's like, cool, okay. He's putting makeup on me. I'm like, this is fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And actually, I used to, just got this for a sec. I fucking used to love 
showing up and like sitting down in the morning and just having a fuss, like get my hair done, <laughs> get my makeup done, <laughs> getting dressed, like just standing, getting dressed. I loved it. Um, really relaxing, therapeutic. Anyway. Yeah. So had had these photos done and then he told me, send them away to all these agencies. Okay. So he sent, I sent, I sent them away and a, a big well-known agency. Can you not say their name? Uh, <laughs> Well, for me, it was Elite. Okay. So it was Elite. Um, I'm not sure if it's a franchise over there or what, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but fucking, it's Elite. You know, it's a Rebels podcast. I need to just get it out there, you know? That's, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, and they, I, I, I turned up mm-hmm. and they, yeah, there was a bunch of like French guys, German guys, French guys, you know, like sitting there with the cigarettes. And I was like, wow, this is like a proper like modely thing. What did you expect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I never have any expectations. So I've, I've rocked up. Fucking, I'm living in a hostel. You know, I'm not like this. I've, I've never modeled before. These yeah. are all mo- models uh-huh. going to this casting day. And I'm like in my backpack of clothes. And they're like, Ryan, you're up next. So I go and sit down. Mm-hmm. The woman's like, stand up, take your top off. I was like, okay. So I stood up took my top off. She's like, put it back on. So I put my top <laughs> back on. <laughs> like, I felt like a dog. And they were like, where's my treat, you know? And then she's like, take it off. But this time, slower. Seductive. It's like more seductive. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I like fully like in, in body, I'm like, right, take my top off slower and just go for it. And then afterwards, she's like, cool. Move to the next room move to the next room and then they're like putting different clothes on me, yeah. asking me to pose in different ways. I'm just like, boom, boom, boom. And um, the only reason I actually did that and actually went through with it is because in Cambodia, two months before, I met a guy, right? And he had these like, piercing blue eyes. I was like, wow, this Chilean lad. And I was like, whoa. Anyway, we ended up in the same hostel. And uh, he was actually my age now, so 31. And he was, and he was working out. I was like, what are you working out for? Like I couldn't associate like why you tra- why you're working out and traveling and having fun and drinking. Mm. He's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a model. I work for Calvin Klein. Right. I've got a shoot next week for BA, like British Airways. And he's like, we went out for a few drinks, and he's like, you know what, you should give this a go. And I was like, I'd never thought of it before. You know, as I, as I told you before, I was like, mm, I don't know. But because this external person, who's has no interest you know, of my future, myself, my life, was just like, empower, give me a bit of empowerment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, go and do it. And because of that, that rung in my head, I actually wrote a note in my phone of things that he said. It's like really like nice things, you know? And sometimes that's all we need, a bit of like maybe external influence or like push from, from someone else yeah, yeah. that we don't really know, but kind of like, wow, it makes us realize we could do something. So that's why I went ahead. And anyway, Elite were like, yeah, we can sign you. Um, do you want to sign the papers? I was like, oh, you can be a freelance. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these things mean. So they give me two <laughs> forms. And I signed the form to like, just be like, basically <laughs> their bitch, right? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> boom, sign, done. And um, yeah, but whilst this was going on, this is like in the background, I was getting invited to these events with a guy who originally hooked me up with with this like modeling path. And I went to this event and I was in there. I was the only Western person. I was like, right. this is weird. 
walked up these stairs. It's like in like this secret area, and there was about 15 tables full of like either groups of men or women, mostly women. So about 10 of the tables were women, all beautiful. And it was um, this, the they were celebrating a massage like um, parlor, um, the, this like huge chain. And the guy was like, that invited me. He's like, yeah, so here's like two tables of mafia. Here's the police, here's the barber. And I was like, okay. <laughs> again, how the, the fuck? Mafia. Yeah, the, the, the mafia. Just and I was like, so where are we sitting? He's like, we're sitting on this table. And I see these these group, and I was like, there's these beautiful women. There's this guy, classic mafia look. Like whatever country you're in, mafia, you can always tell. <laughs> right. Sat there, like but buttoned down, like this nice, really like silky blue shirt, gold chains, tattoos, looked like a bit miserable, but putting it on a bit, you know. And um in Vietnam, you have to be like culturally, you you drink when everyone drinks and you eat what people give you. So they're like coming in and feeding me some food. Mm -hmm. I'm eating it. I'm kind of getting on, you yeah. know, I'm learning some words. And you say this thing in Vietnam, it's like, which is like one, two, three cheers. Mm -hmm. And when you drink, whoever calls the drink out, they decide how much percent of your drink you drink. So at this point, I've had like seven beers. I'm like a bit, getting a bit leery. And um, this uh, mafia guy just kind of leaves. And the guy who brought me, he like he's off as well, uh, going to see some other friends. And whilst that happens, a girl just comes up to me and sits sits on my knee, and you know I'm not I'm not complaining, yeah. and I'm not like aware of what really is going on. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she like kind of take a picture. I was like, yeah, sure. So we have we have a, we have a picture together, um, and then my f friend comes back and he's like, Ryan, what the fuck have you done? I was like, what do you mean? He's like. The guy, the mafia guy, he won't even sit at the table because he's so furious with you. And I'm like, I haven't done anything. He's like, the girl that was sitting on your knee, that was his main woman. Uh, I was like, oh dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, now he's sat over there. I was like, okay. And someone sat in his seat instead of him. It's like, kind of like lower level to lower tiered mafia guy, a bit scrawnier and blah, blah, blah. And he was on the phone, like a burner phone. Uh, I've had experiences in my life. And if someone's on a burner phone, it's not a fucking good, <laughs> it's not a good sign. And I don't understand what he's saying, but like, blah, 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 blah. Like, and I, I feel like he's describing me to someone mm -hmm. or something. And now my like, heart rate's a bit faster. And the guy who brought me, his name is Khan. He was like, I know these guys and we've got to get out of here. And I'm like, you know, I've had seven beers. So I'm like, <clears throat> I can sort the situation out. Let me go and apologize. Right, okay. And he's like, don't do it. I was like, I'll sort it out. So I moved out of the way. I walked up to the guy, the chief mafia guy. I was like, hey, mate, I know you don't speak a word of English. You probably can't understand me, but hopefully you can feel what I'm trying to say. I had no intention of doing anything with this woman. She come and sat on my knee. Wasn't my fault. Uh -huh. Anyway, let's shake hands. And he didn't shake my hand. And if you've ever not had your hand shake when you put your hand up to someone, it's like ugh, soul crushing, it's right? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so I was like, Yes, I can just walk away, but I was like, I'm not going to be embarrassed. So I put my hand out. That's brave. I know. Again, seven beers. That was like the that, number. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like felt like I was living in this, like, I didn't even know what was going on. Like, my life was so nuts. I was just like learning it flow. I was like, I was a character in a, in a film. Mm -hmm. And um, so I put my hand out again. And this time he came to shake it. 
And you know when someone's got like a proper like wet, yeah, s- yeah. like ugh, like wet fish kind of handshake, he gave me one of them, but he like moved his arm like this, and I was like, right, walked out, jumped on the back of a moped. Okay. If you ever been to Saig- Saigon, by the way, in, in Vietnam, there's like seven million bikes on the road. It's like completely mad, and we jump jumped out, and he was like, Ryan, you do realize that guy? He doesn't shake hands with people because someone tried to machete his arm off before, so he doesn't have any nerve endings. So not only had I made him angry, then I embarrassed him in front of people. And then we were on a bike and it was like fucking need for speed or something because we were zipping through the streets of Saigon and there was a bike following us, Mm -hmm. like following where we were going. And we had to go and hide inside a club at at a table with this guy's other friends. So yeah, that was my introduction to like the modeling world, the other world of what can go on in cities. Um, and then the modeling kind of went, went on from there. Um, and I lost, well, yeah, this guy also tried to get me to sign a deal with this woman who owns a diamond company. So I would like do like go and live with her for a weekend and like be like a bit of an extra, but I was like, ah, I'm not going to do any of this shit. Like I'm out. I'll just do like normal modeling. (laughs) Interesting. It's, I mean, to say you never planned to go into modeling and all that of that <laughs> happened like surely a lot of the things you go through on your experience have like a long-term impact on mm. the decision you make next in your journey yeah and you've kind of like jumped between 16 17 countries cities that, that you've been to and every kind of couple of years you're, you're doing something different yeah now that's the complete opposite of what we're told to do as young yeah. people in their 20s um so was that a conscious decision? Have you consciously thought, I want to spend my 20s doing living life in this way? Yeah. Or have you kind of just winged it and just like lived a bit freely? Yeah, so I, I remember when I was just before graduating, um, I was with a girl from Scotland at the time uh-huh. and all she wanted to do was settle, settle down and like yeah. have a job and just like do go this normal route because um, that was what a lot of her family did. And she's like, why don't you want to do that? And I was like, I don't know what it is, but I just can't bring myself mm-hmm. to do that. Like, I would rather personally not be alive than live a life that's told and given to me by other people. Mm-hmm. Like, because what, what's the point? It's not my life. It's someone else's life Yeah. then. So it's, prob- it's probably all mostly come from growing up because I lost my dad. So I would say that the kind of the trauma of that then made me realize well life is fragile Mm -hmm. i've got to do what's like true to me so i probably like embodied that a bit at a young age so even like growing up and going through my through through my teens i'd always like just do what i wanted to do yeah instead of like doing what other people expected of me which got me into a lot of great situations Mm -hmm. but also like a lot of bad situations as well yeah for for context for anyone listening what what was the story behind that and how, how has it impacted you? Yeah, so yeah, when I was eight years old, I lost my dad. He took his own life. And then there was me. I was eight. My brother was five. My sister was just a few weeks old. Wow. And yeah, obviously, it's, it was completely unexpected. And at the time, when you're eight, you don't understand what depression is. You don't understand what bad mental health is or any, anything like that. So yeah, I guess I grew up... Um, going to school and and on reflection now observing the world I was in I wasn't necessarily part of the world so like I think a lot of times trauma can can rip you out of 
like the matrix or your, your conditions, your habits, your identity, who, who you are, it can like make you rip you out of that. And then you can assess like, which of these things do I actually resonate with? Mm-hmm. Do I want this life? And I, I, I remember observing like adults as a child and being like, does this person have a life that I really want? So I wouldn't just automatically respect and look up to someone because they're older than me. Right. I'd like assess yeah. them mm-hmm. just internally myself and be like, hmm, does this person have what I want? And it's like, the answer is most of the time, no. I mean, so, at like eight, nine years old, that's a really different way to be thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that that trauma has obviously impacted yeah. every decision you've made and how you've handled yourself yeah. throughout your life. And now you, I mean, do you, do you think it made a direct dis, um, impact on your decisions post-university to go out and just do things for yourself? Yeah, I, th- I think everyone who's experienced, everyone's experienced some kind of trauma and it's designed, I think life is designed to give us those experiences Mm -hmm. because then you can turn that pain into power. So when you can turn the pain into power and you can actually go and do out, go out and do what you want. So I think these experiences as we've spoken about, it's like, if you're just coasting like this through life, it's like, you're not really having ups or downs, just kind of coasting. To me, that's not a life. But because through trauma, if you experience the lowest of the lows, like losing something that you love so much, like it can't it can't really get worse than that. Yeah. So I know whatever um, experience I'm gonna have, no matter what, mm-hmm. it's not gonna be as, ba- if the worst thing happens, it's not gonna be as bad as what I've already experienced. Yeah. So subconsciously, I already know that. So that then allows me to dip down and have these bad things and like ha- have the ability to take on more stress, more load, more whatever, right? Bandwidth of, of capability. So then that can also like, sh- so rock it up so you can experience the highs you can experience doing things in different countries and and exploring you know and that i think it's like well what's the worst that can happen it's not going to be worse than what has happened to me already yeah. so fuck it let, let's do it i think oh, i love that i think that's like such a good way to, mm. to approach life and every decision you make yeah like what am i getting out of this do i want to do this or not because we, so many people like i'm surrounded especially in the business space i'm making decisions because they think that's what they need to do to get to the next step yeah i need to scale my business so i need to do xyz in reality xyz is going to make my life feel shit but yeah. i'm still going to do it because that's what everyone else is telling me to do mm-hmm. so I, I love i love your approach to, to life and I think another thing you mentioned previously was like the importance of mental and physical health and how that has been so important yeah. throughout your career. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um, if you look at mental health, specifically in men across mm-hmm. the board, it's like one of the number one reasons young men die is through taking their own life. So like, why is that not made a bigger thing, like a bigger thing in society? Mm-hmm. Right? It's It's absolutely mad. And I think that can really come down to how we're, taught to look after ourselves yeah and also the fact that we're not taught how to understand our purpose or a passion that we can anchor on towards so we can actually have a have a reason to to live you know and and, and build so when it comes to to mental health the number one thing you can do in my opinion is work work out work on your body move your body in some way you don't need to become a bodybuilder yeah. or a professional boxer, but you need to like walk and like you have a body, it's a physical thing, but we're not told to use it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think by actually taking care of yourself, what you put in, like your input is your output. 
So these days, if you look around, what are people marketed all the time? It's like fucking crappy McDonald's. Like I remember in December, I saw a McDonald's ad in front of me, like a billboard, and behind it was a BBC ad saying, it's sofa season. And I was like, what chance have people got? Yeah. Like <laughs> what they're marketed to is like, go and sit down on your sofa, go and eat shitty food with all of these like artificial colors, flavors, like what it does to your body is horrific. It's like a short term dopamine hit. Yeah. Whilst you can then go and sit down and watch the TV like a zombie, right? And get programmed in another way. And the output of that is not going to be good. Mm -hmm. the, the, your, your physical output is going to be really low because you're not putting any good nutrients in your body. Your mental output is not going to be good because you're putting a bunch of crap within your brain. So like, how can you actually have a good high standard of life with a, actually click like a clear um, vision mm -hmm. if your input is bad? If the input's bad, the output's going to be bad. So that's what I think about mental health. It's not actually that hard. Like move your body, put good stuff in your body. If you don't know how to do that, like, well, you, you, need, you need to learn. Like there is no a quick fix. There's no fast food restaurant. There's no pill that's going to actually create the ability to, li to live a good life, no matter how much big food and big pharma lie to people, you know? And the, and the more that happens, the more there's junk food. If you go to, a, I'm going off on a tangent here, but we'll go with it. If you go to a Tesco, Sainsbury's, something like that, 99% of the stuff in that food store, food store is junk. Mm -hmm. And that's what people buy. That's what they consume, right? And then over time, because it doesn't make you sick quick enough, 40s, 50s, maybe slow, sluggish, right? The diseases are starting to build up in the body. Then people are like, fuck, what do I do now? You go to a doctor, right? Doctor's going to prescribe you. Not for a lifestyle disease, they don't tell you to change your lifestyle. They tell you, oh, here's a quick fix. Mm -hmm. Quick fix for food, quick fix for, for, for some fucking fancy pill, the, the latest and greatest one that's going to fix you, right? All it is doing is covering up symptoms, mm -hmm. covering up symptoms. The Western world is professional at doing that, but actually they're not actually finding the cure, like the cause, sorry, of, of what that is. And I think that is the reason why society and mental health is on the rise because we're always addressing symptoms. Slap this on the symptom, slap this on the symptom, right? Instead of actually finding the real the real cause. Um, and if we can find that cause, then you feel good. Then you can actually honor yourself like, hey, if you're not in a good place, here's where I'm at. I'm in a shitty place. What can I do to start making steps from, from here? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point you make actually about the physical directly having an impact on the mental. Mm. Well, I've seen social media posts online where people have got absolutely ripped apart yeah. for, for, for that kind of narrative. Yeah. I think yourself, you've, you've posted like pictures of you at the gym or topless pictures. Yeah. And you've had somebody, or quite often a lot of people, um, <laughs> yeah. call you out on that. And, yeah. And I love your responses, really, really witty responses. Um, but... What would what, you say to those people who question, why are you putting a, a shirtless pic on yeah. mine? First of all, I spent 70 to 80% of my time topless. We're here now. Like, yeah. I should have a top on, right? So, like, I'm like, okay, I'll put a top on for this. But when I go home, mm -hmm. if I'm not on a call that requires a top, or if I'm in, I've lived in, in tropical countries for seven years, mm -hmm. I love that because it's warm. I can get a tan. I'm out in the sun. I don't have a top on. So, actually, that's my normal state of being. So first of all, people are people are projecting that how they live on onto me, and the, the second thing is um, that 
if I was overweight mm-hmm. and I posted a topless photo online, I'd be like, oh yeah, go Ryan. You're so, I'm so, go, go, yeah, thank you so much for, for, for posting this. You're so uh-huh. brave, right? But to actually be in a decent physique and, and post the same thing, regardless of, of, of how I look, it's then viewed in a completely different way. It's like, oh, this guy's, as you said at the start, a twat, egotistical, yep. mm-hmm. like what? So by looking after myself, for me, it's it's my mental health first. It's probably drilled into me from, from being a kid. Like, oh, I don't want to go down the same route of having mental health issues like my father. So what can I do to avoid that, right? And I figured out it's it's physicality, working on myself. So by by then having a, having a body that I've looked after, mm-hmm. it's like, how dare you? How dare you do that? How dare you show that? And, you know, on, I've had a lot of comments of people like that, but it's actually just showing their own in- insecurities mm-hmm. uh, about about themselves and how they view what I should be posting. I also heard something. Um, I'm not sure if it's true or not. You, you can tell me. Um, you made a million dollars in like a year mm-hmm. and then somehow you managed to blow it all the next year. Is that true? <laughs> it was a great year. <laughs> uh, yeah, me and my business partner, we made $1.3 million mm-hmm. with one of our companies um, in, in a year. And we had like a big online affiliate marketing platform uh-huh. doing incredible things, helping people like finding a different uh, product or service, helping people with the marketing and sales and also the mindset side. So, so uh, Sorry, how? because that's quite a jump from f- everything else you've done, modeling, mm. teaching English, yeah, um, selling tickets, yeah, uh, and then affiliate marketing. Yeah. And you, I mean, I'm assuming you had no direct experience doing this, but you still did it very successfully. Yeah. So I actually, considering I was teaching how to grow online businesses and I got a U unclassified in my computer GCSE, (laughs) right? I was not qualified, certainly not qualified to be doing that. Um, But now there's thousands of people all around the world, um, either affiliate marketers or coaches using, have, that have used the infrastructure that we set up to now go and do exactly the same thing and people are just living how they want, where they want. Mm-hmm. And that is like, that feels good for me for me to be able to do that. But I would say where that comes from is it's not qualification, it's not learning, it's not, it's education, but a different form. So if I look back at, as I mentioned, the outdoor instructor stuff, what the ingredients of life and the skills I learned there, then I applied that when I moved to Cyprus. Mm-hmm. So I worked for a bar crawl company um, and it was owned half by a British boss, half by the mafia, right? That's so a I, reoccurring theme here, isn't it? The mafia. The mafia, the mafia, mafia. Always, always, <laughs> always occurring, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm in Cyprus and I'm like, right, I need a job going out there with no money. And I was like, what can I do? I can either be a, a bar guy. I can't be a balloon girl because I'm, blo- I'm not a balloon or a girl. <laughs> um, uh, I can give out flyers. Yeah. Or I can be a PR person, you know, like the vultures that grab people in from the side of the streets. Or I can be a ticket seller. So that was the first time I realized I can learn a skill Mm -hmm. that minimizes time and maximizes income Mm -hmm. by selling something. I'm not selling my time, I'm selling my my ability. And I was like, hmm. So started selling tickets and you know, me and it was our first year and we actually were two of the top sellers in the, on the, on the Island that year, 2014, uh, for this, for this company. But I remember having these, the, these tickets 
and we'd sell one for 30 euro. 10 would go to the mafia, 10 would go to the British boss, 10 would go between me and my friend. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking up to these girls on the beach one day, British girls, and I was like, super nervous. Like, hey girls, how you doing? And they're like, ignored me. I was like, right. Excuse me, hi girls, how you doing? They looked at me and they're like, what do you want? I was like, that is the worst intro to try and sell something <laughs> I could ever try and do. So then I kind of learned, I'm not trying to sell anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just having conversations with people. Yeah. So then we'd stop people in the street, be like, like if it's a, if it was a group of British girls, I'd stop them and be like, hey, are you are you Swedish girls? And then they're like, oh, they want to be Swedish, right? They want to be something that, that, that right. they're not. So like using that kind of kind of trick, then they'd want to be engaged in conversation. Or we'd go up to a to um, a group of guys and be like, oh, if we sold to girls earlier, we'd be like, hey, do you know where those um, 12 girls are from, from Germany? We need to give them their tickets to our event. Then they're like, tickets to what event? So yeah. actually learning kind of like through the school of hard, the hard knocks almost, yeah. um, and being tasered, chased around, sneaking into hotels, jumping over balconies, using those, again, the ingredients from what I learned, the skills, then I can apply that in the business world of being like, how to sell, like, how am I going to sell? How am I going to market stuff? Mm. And then the mindset stuff, I just learned along the way. So it all transitioned um, together. And then the more I kind of honored my own process and being like, I, I'm not qualified to do this stuff. Yeah. But I've got kind of got like life qualifications just like uh, that have proved I've got a track record of always getting out or getting into the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. So like if I just kind of trust that process a bit more, I'm, I always know I'm being guided to stuff that's more in alignment with where I'm supposed to be. And I can use the ingredients of the of the experiences I've had in the past to apply them to the new thing that 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 I'm doing. And yeah, don't be afraid to do what you're not qualified to do. Yeah, 100%. It's that like soft skill, hard skill debate, right? Or the whole idea of transferable skills. Yeah. And there's so many people in, in the industry that I work in now as well, who have worked in like a completely different, you know, industry, law, finance, um, dentist even, I know. And they're like, I'm building a social media business now, or I'm twitching to become a creator, or I'm, mm. I've got this idea in my mind, I'm gonna build this product. Yeah. And I love that. And yeah. I think now, especially with social media, it's made that so much easier. And you've built a digital first business yeah. and, and done it very, very well. Even though you spent your twenties doing everything you t- you were told not to do. Yeah. So I love that like anti-settled mindset. Mm. Is that, was that a conscious? I, I, I wouldn't, I would say in, in, it's conscious in terms of, I know I, I just cannot like abide to what other people T- are telling me to do yeah because it's not the change if it's not the change or not what i want to see happen in the world then i just have this like internal conflict of like ah oh, no matter how good it seems no matter how good the the salary is that's just something that i cannot do because it it's an internal conflict with my own values and because i've lived such a great life that's values first and my values are freedom and adventure the highest two when, when, when i check in with them mm-hmm. Um, if I'm living up to those and my lifestyle or my businesses allow me to do those things, yeah. then great. If it contradicts that, even if it's a great opportunity, I just can't do it. I love that. That is such a good mindset to have. And especially me being young, younger than you, like that is something I'm going to take away and, yes. and remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick question. Um, where can people find you? People can find me on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Ryan Felix on LinkedIn. 
on Instagram, Ryan L. Felix. And on TikTok as well, Ryan Felix 8. Mm -hmm. That's where you can find me. Perfect. And just a question before we end the podcast. I'm, I'm going to ask every um, guest this question. Okay. What is a strong view or opinion that you have that will probably get you cancelled one day? Mm. I think that masculinity is under attack and it has been for decades once I've really, really started looking into it. Um, and I think it's very intentional as well. Um, and it's um, a power grab from the powers that be. Um, so I believe that you would not have seen the atrocities atrocities of the last three years um, of like huge human rights conflicts, right? Globally with what just happened with lockdowns and all these horrific things. If there was people in every country who was standing up, standing in their masculinity to stop what's actually going on. And I think um, I can only talk as, as a man, right? But I think in the future, I stood up over the last couple of years around what's going on. I actually got banned on Instagram and a few different platforms, mm -hmm. almost LinkedIn as well, uh, when I first got on the platform. But people are going to look back in a, in a few years' time, 10, 20, 30 years' time, that didn't stand up for what's what happened over the last couple of years. And their kids are going to ask them, hey, during that massive COVID thing that was going on, like that was mad as the truth actually transpires and comes out. And their kids are going to ask them, what did you do, mom? What did you do, dad, right, to stop this horrible stuff going on in society? Just, and they're going to have to come to terms with themselves and be like, I did nothing. Mm -hmm. I looked at the spot on the floor in Tesco and stood in that spot to make sure I'm six foot away from someone else. I, I, I walked one way around a, sh a shopping center, you know, and that for me is is kind of enough, knowing that people are going to have to sit with that themselves. But I think in the future, um, yeah, I think you're going to see a, a, a shift now in masculinity because people aren't going to... Um, they're not going to stand for something like that happening again in society. So I don't know if that will get me cancelled, if it's just a natural flow of how life's going to be. But yeah, that's what I think. It's it's un, It's been under attack and now it's going to uh, go the opposite direction. Interesting. I think um, I think we need a whole other episode for that. Yeah. Um, I can challenge you on a few things. Yeah, challenge yeah, me. 100%. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, and, my friend. Um, how's it been? It's been incredible. Thank you for the opportunity. No it's been an honor to have this conversation. I look forward to having more with you in the future. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to Rebels podcast with me, Shweb Ahmed. If you've been watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you've been listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, then please give us a five-star rating and a follow. The more successful this podcast gets, the bigger and better guests we can have on in the future. Thank you.